Creative Sandbox Way Podcast, Episode 190. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, and I believe that life is too short not to express the innate creativity inside of you. So I wrote a book called The Creative Sandbox Way, based around 10 guideposts that I developed to get myself out of creative stuck and back to the sense of playful creativity that I naturally had when I was a four-year-old. That book was just the tip of the iceberg. I continue the conversation with this podcast. Let's jump in. Hello, it is today, January 30th, if you're listening to this, the day that it goes live. And I am actually at my winter creative sandbox retreat. Oh my gosh, I have been waiting for this day for so long. I love my retreats. They're my favorite part of the year. I get to spend five days just doing whatever I want, uninterrupted create time. It's amazing. So excited to get there because of course I'm recording this not on the 30th, but before the 30th. Uh, And I wanted to share that I, this is the winter retreat And I've got another one coming up in September. So if you were thinking to yourself, gosh, I would love to go to Melissa's Creative Sandbox Retreat, but I can't quite get to the winter one. Well, you've got some time to get to the late summer fall retreat, which is September 11th through 15th. That's coming up. So you can find out all about that and register at Creative Sandbox Retreat. Dot com. And I know that five days in Northern California, it's about an hour south of where I live in Silicon Valley, is a big, you know, it's a big investment of time and money. So if you want to get a little taste of what it's like to spend five days with me without actually investing the time and money to spend five days with me, I'm holding a Creative Sandbox play day, which is like the day camp version of my Creative Sandbox retreats. I do those periodically. And the next one is coming up on Sunday, February 17th in Palo Alto, California. And you can sign up for that by going to creativesandboxplayday.com. And yeah, it's just 25 bucks. And it's 9.45am to 2.30pm. And it's really lovely to get a day to really devote to your creative thing, which is so hard to do on your own at home, because there's so many other things that are just pulling on us. So getting three solid hours to focus on whatever creative thing you want to focus on or play with my art supplies, if there's nothing that you, you know, no projects that you actually have in, you know, that you're in the middle of, it's pretty special. So check it out, creativesandboxplayday.com. I'd love to see you there. And creativesandboxretreat.com if you are ready to join me at my retreat. And in the meantime, I am really delighted to share with you my conversation with Macy Matarazzo. I had this conversation a while back now, 
It's been sitting in the queue and I'm super excited to share it. Macy is a, well, I'll introduce her to you in a moment, but uh, she and I share a history of um, a lot of dating, (laughs) looking for love in our 40s. And yeah, she's all about the playful path to love and dating in your 40s. So enjoy my conversation with Macy Matarazzo. Macy Harjot Matarazzo, aka Reverend Lunch Lady, love coach, spiritual teacher, and unicorn wrangler, was a first-time bride at 43 with over 25 years collecting failed relationships, devastating heartbreaks, and dateless holiday parties before she finally found the formula which broke the painful cycle. And now she devotes her life to helping other women stop the madness and draw in a meaningful love. And oh, how I wish I had known Macy when I was looking. (laughs) Now she brings her clients a magical combination of transformational change methodology, kundalini yoga, and creative exploration to help women find their unicorn. Welcome, Macy. I'm so glad to have you. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I'm super excited to talk about the playful path to love and dating over 40 because it wasn't that long. Well, I guess it was 11 years ago when I first met my husband. It was 2007. And I I think I was fairly playful at the time when I was when I was looking but the, god there were periods where it did not feel so playful. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear about the formula that finally broke the the painful cycle for you. Yeah, well, I mean it came to the point where I realized I absolutely had to do something different because what I had been doing for so long just continued to leave me feeling heartbroken and miserable. (laughs) And so once I made that decision, it was really this determination in me that just said, I am going to figure this out because it was almost like, well, I was approaching my 40th birthday. So that was a milestone birthday. And I was thinking, I can't believe I am the only single one in my circle, because I really was. Some of my friends had kids that were already in high school at that point. And I just figured either I am going to just make myself like being single and collect more chihuahuas and kitties <laughs> and, you know, let that be my life or figure it out. So I did, you know, feel this real pull in my heart that was saying, you know what, I really do want to share my life with someone. I really want to have that special relationship. And, and I always wanted that. So, I mean, really the formula ended up being getting some support to figure out where I was hiding in a way. I felt like, I mean, what I realized now is that so much of what I was doing was 
what I thought I needed to do to have someone like me. And I didn't even realize I was doing that. And I look back and I see that that started so early on in growing up with parents who were super supportive and basically saying, you can have and do anything you want. And I didn't have brothers. So I was like, okay, I'm a woman. I can have it all. I can do this. But I really felt like I had to figure out, you know, how am I going to take care of myself and be this independent woman? I felt like that was a big part of my like wiring, which meant that, you know, putting a lot of energy into understanding relationship was really on the back burner. It was almost like not cool to want that. Mm. So I had to get beyond all that to um, allow myself to just be me and really be honest with who I was and develop the courage to be me so that I could have the relationship I wanted. Oh my God, that resonates with me so much. It takes me back to the year that I was in graduate school. I went to England for graduate school and I, I remember I had this huge crush on this guy. He, he taught the jujitsu class and God, he was such a player. I remember I went on a couple dates with this guy and I remember feeling like I couldn't let him see the real me. Like here's an example. So I'm Jewish. And at that time in my life, but my dad, my dad was not born Jewish and at the time he wasn't Jewish. And so, and I don't have a Jewish sounding last name. My last name is Scottish and I have red hair and I, you know, I could pass as Gentile. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and at the time in England, England was going through a hugely xenophobic period. There was a lot of anti-immigrant xenophobic violence and just, it was not, I did not feel safe Mm -hmm. being Jewish. And I was just at a point in my life where I was starting to be interested in exploring my Jewish identity because I did not grow up going to synagogue or anything like that, but I didn't feel safe as a Jew in, in the UK. And this guy didn't know that I was Jewish and he was, I think Catholic or something. I don't know what he was, but anyway, I remember being on a date with him and and I feeling like I couldn't share this part of myself that was really important that I was starting to like explore and learn about Judaism and like teaching myself how to read Hebrew. But I felt like I couldn't share this part. Like if he knew who I really was like that, I had to hide that from him. Yeah, And that like, how, how terrible. I know. Like this person that I, that I was dating, that I was, you know, having this massive crush on and, and that in some part of my brain, I was sort of fantasizing about that. I might have a relationship with this guy that mm-hmm. he wouldn't, he wouldn't know this like integral part of yeah. who I was. That's not okay. <laughs> no, it's not. I totally get it. I mean, I feel like I've had full relationships where huge chunks of who I am was hidden. Yeah. And no wonder the relationship didn't work. I mean, that's like, okay, well, guess who's in the relationship? I don't know. It's not, (laughs) it's not me. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I remember 
when I was getting, when I was at the end of my marriage, my first marriage, and we were in therapy, it was like the last year of our marriage. We were in therapy with this psychiatrist and, and he was asking us what, like what our ideal partner looked like or something. And my, my then husband was describing someone who was like this very traditional wife, like his mom. And I looked at him like, what? Like, no, like what, what, like, what do you, what were you thinking? But this was not what, like, what were you thinking? Marrying me? Right. What the hell were you thinking? You know? And it was so bizarre because he knew that that's not who I was. And yet he had projected onto me what he, he wanted. Mm -hmm. And I had done the same thing. Yeah. I had projected onto him what I wanted him to be. I'd fallen in love with what I wanted him to be. And he had fallen in love with what he wanted me to be. And we were not those people. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. I feel like it's so powerful what happens in our minds. And I, I only discovered that I was doing this when I actually had met this really amazing guy and it was near my 40th birthday. So I've intentionally been saying, you know what, this, I'm going to get this done, you know? And um, I met this guy who's super handsome. I mean, like gaspingly handsome, <laughs> and, um, super funny, rich. Like he had this great job. He was in, I was actually his improv teacher. So, you know, I knew he was funny. So we started dating and then it just so happened that my parents were coming to town and they hadn't seen my cute little house that I just bought yet. And I was thinking, wow, they're going to meet him. And wow, this is going to be the relief I need because they're going to meet him and see that now they don't have to like hound me about this stuff and they don't have to like put all their like worry energy on me about me living alone and all that stuff that happens. And so they met him. And soon after we went back to my cute little bungalow in Denver and we sat down and my parents who, hello, they approved of everything I did up till now. Like everything I did was fine. They, they paid for me to get my master's of puppetry arts in England. So they are usually team Macy, right? And they sat me down and my mom said super seriously to me, Macy, if you want to keep a man like that, you're going to have to stop being so weird. <gasps> I mean, honestly, every time I like repeat that, I just kind of want to puke because <gasps> it was like the most, my heart exploded. I just was a puddle. And honestly, It's been, it took years after that to kind of heal that moment. And the thing is like no wrong there. sounds like a really mean thing for a mom to say, right? But the point of the matter is that I know now is it was the biggest gift ever because what it woke me up from was the fact that this realtor guy didn't even see the real me ever. Like he saw me being like, okay, this is what I think a woman 
who's dating someone successful would dress like, would act like, would speak like, and that's what I was doing. What they were seeing in my crazy little house with paint by number kittens and Jesus is everywhere and like all the tchotchkes that I tend to like is that they, they're seeing me, like they know me, they know that I'm like this creative explosion and you know, that's who I am. And they're seeing this guy is like, okay, this conservative, but fun man, but certainly no match for me. And, but he never even saw that. So it was the, it was such an amazing wake up that then brought me into, cause the other big thing was he dumped me two weeks later. So oh. there you go. Oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah, we just took care of that cosmically. Um, so then, you know, then that's when the, the reality check started. You know, I did get a coach. I was really working on, you know, creating community that was really my kind of community that I really felt seen and understood. And I did the inner work that allowed me to have the security within me to say, you know, this is me. Because before that, that was way too scary. And then that was when, you know, I definitely noticed a totally different caliber of person show up. And really within months, I met my beloved laser beam Larry is what I like to call him. (laughs) And he's, he's Jewish, actually. And that was part of what I really found, because I feel Jewish, even though I'm not Jewish. So I nicknamed him my teacup Jew because I also had an obsession with chihuahuas and, and that was not like a mean nickname. He thinks it's hilarious. Um, and he just happens to be just this tiny little Jewish chiropractor. Who's just so hilarious and fun and creative and smart and all of the, the crazy combination that I wanted that I never thought could exist. Wow. Wow. And it does. Okay. So I have a question for you. So I have a number of questions, but one of them is, so one of the things that worked for me when I, it it took me a long, long time to actually didn't take me that long to find my husband. It took me a long time to see him as a contender. Mm -hmm. I met him in 2007, but it took me until 2010 to realize that, oh, this, this is the guy. Yeah. Because he didn't look like what I thought I was looking for. Yeah. There were so many things that I thought, I I, I thought I was looking for somebody completely different because the type of man that I am really drawn to physically, energetically is just looks different. Right. My husband. But the type of guy that's really good for me is my husband. Right. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh-huh. And it took me that long to figure that out. Mm-hmm. So, Because I'm a slow learner. One of the things that really made a huge difference for me is I encountered this book called The Four-Man Plan mm. by an author named Cindy Liu who I should actually reach out to, and maybe I should bring her on the podcast at some point. Cindy Lou, L-U is her last name. And 
she ta- one of the, one of the things she talks about in the book is how I mean there's there's lots of potential people who could be good matches for you. This idea of your one soulmate across all time right. space is total BS, right? I and, totally Yeah. And she has in the book one of the things that I totally love is she has you write down all of your must-haves on a page. And at the bottom of that page is pre-printed, honest, loving, willing. So you write down all your must-haves, must be rich, must be tall, must be handsome, must have a full head of hair, must have da 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 whatever. And then you turn the page and it says, great, you can basically forget all of the things that you wrote down. The only things that, that are required are honest, loving, and willing. And then, wow. yeah, yeah. And then there's another page that says, write down all of your deal breakers. Can't be fat, can't be bald, can't be short, can't be blah, 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 whatever. And then you turn the page and it says, great, guess what? The universe has a sense of humor. And it's pretty much guaranteed that one of your deal breakers, the guy who's going to be a really great match for you is going to (laughs) have. He's going to be short or he's going to be fat or he's going to be bald or he's going to be one of those things, right? So just be prepared. And now your your deal breakers, like you, you don't, he, you don't get to have a an abuser or an alcoholic or right. like right. those are not included in the universe's sense of humor. Right. right. Exactly. Those, you get to eliminate guys with those problems, but whatever. So I'm curious if your beloved has something that you previously thought was a deal breaker. I really I really don't think he did. I mean, what he did was he exceeded what I thought was possible, actually. I would say that before that, I don't think I would have been worthy of him. Mm. And I don't want people to think that I'm only saying that there's love at first sight or any of that, because I, I don't necessarily think I felt love at first sight, but I did feel like when I saw him, because I've met him online and he wrote me and I saw his picture and I really felt like, wow, this is a five-star candidate. His Mm -hmm. humor matched, the way he looked was, you know, fun for me. I mean, and I, I don't have that desire for the traditional chiseled, you know, beefcake. Like (laughs) I kind of, was calling in what I got, which was this cute little nerdy Jewish guy. (laughs) I love it. You know, (laughs) so, I mean, honestly, you know, I think that it's, I think it is helpful to hear that exercise that you're talking about for people, because I certainly think that there are some areas where we can get really hung up on stuff. And exactly what you described in your story is that your eyes weren't even willing to see him yeah for years and so there's there is something to be said for that and i really also love the you know honest willing what was the third loving yeah yep i mean to me 
One of the things I've been observing from a lot of the women that I talk to, I mean, I talk to women every week about what they want in relationship. And so many times I feel like we're starting with such basic stuff. Like, yeah, you shouldn't even have to say honesty. I mean, what I'm getting from that exercise is more like, yeah, it's a given that when we're talking about our beloved, that this person is going to be honest. That's given that this person is loving. It's given that you can trust this person. I mean, those things should be foundational. I want to move into the things that really sort of blossom in your kind of lifestyle. For me, if someone doesn't have like a fun sense of design, which seems like a weird specific thing, but that's my nest. My space is absolutely critical. So I have to, that that was something that I really care about. Yeah. In life. Yeah. It's so interesting to me how many people end up hooking up with each other at, I mean, as in like forming long-term partnerships with each other who haven't actually sat down and talked about those kinds of values. Mm -hmm. Like, do we, you know, one person wants to say travel the world or something and another person hates traveling. I mean, those like fundamental kinds of fundamental yeah. or like one person really knows they want to have kids and the other person really knows they never want to have kids. Yeah. It's huge. Like humongous. Yeah. You know, in religion, like there's a lot of different areas, food, like health goals, you know, lifestyle level of energy. I mean, I actually specifically labeled myself as indoorsy. Oh, I love that. I live in an area where everybody's outdoorsy. Yeah, Colorado, right? Right. So I know that, you know, I probably would have been a rock star colonial woman because I like making soup. I like crafting. I like fireplaces. I like tea. (laughs) So (laughs) I like taking care of animals. So Yeah, I would have rocked the colonial woman. And, you know, that was something that was hard for me to be honest about when, you know, before I did the work that I now teach. Because I thought nobody's going to want me. And I'm going to have to pretend like I care about (laughs) biking. (laughs) Well, you know what it brings up? It brings up how important it is to know what you, you know, what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. I know. I, mean, I, I think about when I was with my ex-husband, we met right after I turned 21, which wow. is really young, you know. And you know, at that age, you're just really starting to get a sense of your own identity, right? And mm-hmm. And and I had also, I was just going through my, I now call it my radical feminist awakening. So I was, you know, going through this, just discovering my sense of identity and my radical feminist awakening. And then I meet this guy and really he was quite good for me in so many ways for about six months, but we ended up together for 11 years. And what happened in that relationship was exactly 
what I was afraid of happening and I swore would never happen, which was my identity got completely subsumed inside that relationship. Right. And when we got divorced, I was horrified at how much I, I didn't know what I liked because uh-huh. it had gotten so subsumed into what he liked. Right. And I remember when I moved into my first apartment by myself and I had all this sort of leftover furniture from that relationship. And I realized I hated that furniture. I hated it. And, you know, I'm sure some of it was because of feelings from the relationship, blah, blah, blah. But I couldn't wait to get rid of that furniture. And, and I was starting to kind of clarify like what my sense of style was compared to what his sense of style was like Navy and Burgundy get it out of here, you know? (laughs) And like, I wanted to go to the Renaissance fair and he never wanted to go to the Renaissance fair. I wanted to go out dancing. He never wanted to go out dancing. And, you know, all these things that I never did because he didn't like to do them are things, things that we had or things that we did because he liked to do it. And that I didn't like to do or It was astonishing to me. And you can't call in, as you say, the right person for you if you don't even know what you like and who you are. Right. I think that's true. I mean, you, you're you just sending out a really murky message. Yeah. And it's part of cultivating that trust within ourselves, too, when we're not listening to ourselves and we haven't developed the ability to listen to ourselves, then what most people end up attracting are people who aren't really available or, you know, that will run away because essentially what we're doing is abandoning ourselves. So the people who show up are going to continue to reinforce that abandonment and you know, that's just a really hard thing. I know for my relationships before I met Larry, I was never acknowledged. I was never really seen, but that's because I wasn't seeing myself. Oh yeah. And so, and I don't regret any of those relationships. I really feel like, you know, they were decent people. (laughs) They just weren't my person. And I really needed this kind of Mack truck experience to wake up to what it is. I mean, I had plenty of other experiences that, that pulled me out of those kinds of things you talked about with identity, like being, I had a business that then became my identity. And when that failed, then I didn't know who I was. Like, I didn't feel like I had value unless I was that. And all of the ways that we do that is put our value on ourselves from external things. Even in my corporate world days, I felt like that was titles and busyness. Like, okay, I'm important. I'm busy, you know. Yeah. Constantly tricking ourselves into deserving to be on the planet. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you, you said about previous relationships, men not seeing you, my experience 
was in so many of my relationships that I had it, and it took me, you know, hindsight to be able to see this, but men competing with me. Mm. And that one of the things that took me a while to see with my husband and to really appreciate is that he never competes with me, Mm -hmm. that we're partners, that we have each other's backs, that, that he champions me. He is truly my champion. And that, that feeling of like, I never have to worry about him competing with me is just so, such a relief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it is yeah. not good to be in a relationship where your partner is competing with you. <laughs> or the other way around, which I think is also a really hard one, which is what I felt most of the time where I'm dragging my partner along, like it's a big track oh. of rocks yeah, or whatever. <laughs> that probably wouldn't work. They would fall out. But, but yeah. that feeling of pulling someone along. Yeah. So how do you, how do you work with women? Well, the way that I have found has been most effective. I have broken it down into sort of three stages. And this is kind of the highest level is that first it's about, you know, really preparing for love because there's so many people who come to me and say, Oh, well, I can't, I don't need you yet. I'm not ready to date. And I'm like, actually, that's when you need me. You know, this is about, you know, how are we cultivating that safety and security within ourselves, know who we are and have the courage to, you know, be in our truth. And, and that's the first step. And that's really the most important part because usually when people come to me, it's later in life. No, no 20 year old is going to come to me because they haven't had anything go wrong yet (laughs) necessarily. But, you know, as we collect relationships for me, I started collecting these failed relationships and it it influenced how I responded in the next relationships. I was afraid to do this or afraid to do that or avoiding this or avoiding that. And I was actually getting further away from my truth of who I was because I was reacting to all of the stories, to all of the history. So we have to work with that first. And there's a lot of amazing tools that I've been able to be trained on and integrate that I use. One is called RIM therapy, which is regenerating images and memory. And, and it really is a powerful process because it uses the imagination so part of the playing into love piece is that I think of RIM therapy almost like time traveling. We're going back, we're going inward, and we're, we're creating these new stories within ourselves that help us to respond to life from your most, your higher self, from, from your soul, from whatever you want to call that. But it's from that place of really knowing who you are. Um, and not from fear and reacting. So that's a big part of the beginning. And then from there, we go into the sort of next stage, which is dating. And as we all know, you know, dating can bring up triggers. If we're not in a place where we can really navigate without losing all our energy, because that's the other thing that I find most of the women who come to me are empaths or highly sensitive. So, you know, or creative types that 
we can really lose a lot of energy on things, taking things personally, collecting other people's emotional stuff and not even knowing it. So working with that so that we can do the dating in a way that we can actually access all of the amazing modern tools that are out there without feeling miserable about it. Cause there's not, there's never going to be a happy ending to a miserable journey. <laughs> um, so, and then the third part is you meet someone that you really cherish and how do you work with that without sabotaging or running away or having those kinds of triggers. So I work with people in all three phases and the most powerful part is using rim therapy and kundalini yoga, which works with the subconscious and having a really good sense of humor as we do it. And I find that one of the things that my clients tell me is that I do make them laugh and that they get insights that they haven't heard from anyone else. And I find that I just find creative ways to help people come back to themselves. Very cool. And you, so you work mostly one-on-one or do you work in group settings as well? Well, my one-on-one now has a group component. So, I mean, it is a premium service that everybody who works with me gets private time with me. And then I like to hold space to have community too, because one thing that is kind of a key pillar of the, of the work that I do is that we need loving community. And my program's called Love Muffin or Love Muffin Super Deluxe, which just means you get a lot of extra time with me. So in the Love Muffin community, you know, we do some things together and then we have our private time in addition. So in terms of training classes and Q&As, there's so much we learn from observing other people. And, And if you're coming to someone and saying, you know what, I'm really sick of being alone. I really want to share my life with someone. It starts right here. It's a relationship with me as a coach. It's a relationship with the community and being able to see, wow, I am not the only one. There's a lot of amazing people who are also feeling like this and we just learn from each other and it's just such a cool community and I do a lot of extra special sort of signature um, experiences with the group oh that sounds so wonderful I love it wow well I think you said you brought something cool to share yes well one of my favorite things right now I'm wearing it is to work with a mala and okay, I'm showing it and people can't see, but I have a mala on and it, a mala is a um, necklace of beads that you use in a meditation practice. And it helps you to count repetitions of repeating something. And it could be a sacred phrase. It could be an affirmation. You can pretty much use whatever you want. And the powerful thing about Amala is that as you're repeating and as you're going through and when you're counting, you're touching a bead and then you're moving to the next bead and we're moving to the next bead with each repetition is that it's connecting to your brain and it's actually rewiring your brain as you're repeating. And so this is a tool that I share with my clients and it's something that I personally do every day multiple times a day. And I got so I'm, I'm a crafty lady. 
And I started making my own malas because, well, they're beautiful and it's fun to make it the way you want it to be. And so I've made some where I have a standard size bead. And then every once in a while, I'll put a bigger bead and the bigger bead within the necklace. So if anyone knows malas, usually there's one size bead for all the repetition. And then there's one big bead at the end that's called the guru bead. And that's how you know you're done. But I put a couple other bigger beads. So along the way, you have what I call the you go girl bead. (laughs) And so when you get to a you go girl bead, what I say is either in your mind or out loud, you just say the mantra louder. So either in when I'm doing it, I actually am always doing it silent. But when it's when you're mentally chanting it, I'm still like then on a you go girl bead, I'm mentally chanting it really loud. Oh, I love so it. it it's actually is a really cool thing. Now I have a hard time using regular molas now that I use my own mala um, with the you go girl beats because I love having those moments of like, you know, why do just saying something really loud that's going to support my brain. So that's one thing that I like to share because if, you know, so many people do have malas probably in your audience, but maybe they're not using them. I mean, they're really beautiful, but when you use them, your whole life can change. Wow. I've never used one. It's, do you have one? Just No. I don't. They're really, you know, you know, some of the things that I have my clients say is, you know, my big happy love is here. And then I have them use a a wahegadu, which is a gromuki phrase that, is super high frequency and it's kind of, it's related to Sanskrit. Even Hebrew is a great, like if there's a Hebrew phrase or something that you use in your practice that you could repeat that, you know, and go around the beads. But, and then it's great for prosperity stuff. Like if you want to increase your prosperity health and what that's not what I'm thinking of your your prosperity consciousness could do money loves me money loves me money loves me those kinds of things like you really change your your vibe and so I have a whole bunch of different phrases that I use and then I usually prescribe things you know working with my clients based on what they need they they can do something and then they have a very simple practice you know we're talking about for most short phrases, you can go through one round in, you know, a couple minutes. I love it. That is really cool. Yeah. So do you, do you sell your, the models that you make or you make them just um, for, for your as own? As I make time? them, I do, I have sold some like this one. People can't really see it, but it's mostly white beads. And then it has a lot of sort of candy color beads. It's very like playful. And I named, I also named them. So this one I named Mama Unicorn Makes Magic Cupcakes. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. And then I have a couple that are mostly pink beads. And I called that one Pussy Hat Parade. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I've been selling them. I post them on Instagram. It's not like some big thing that I do, but it's certainly... I really love making them because I really crave using my hands. It's just 
part of how I am as a human. So it's something that I always have some malas. If anyone ever wants one with you, go girl beads and yeah, they can reach out to me and see what I got. Excellent. I love it. Mm -hmm. That is a really fun, something cool. Well, my something cool this week, it relates to you and I were having a conversation before I hit record about our fluffy cats. Yes. We each have very fluffy cats. You have a Persian and I have Uh a Siberian. And I thought, well, I will share something cool this week is my Roomba. Oh, Um, robot vacuum. I am on the team. I am so (laughs) like, I could not live without our Roomba. And I actually like it as much as I like a Persian cat. I like adorable. (laughs) I'm just like, look at how cute it is. It's pretty darn cute. And in addition to the Roomba, the something cool is paying the extra money to buy the Roomba from Hammaker Schlemmer. Okay. Because Hammaker Schlemmer has a lifetime guarantee. And we are on, it might be our third Roomba at this point. We've paid for one Roomba and we've gotten three. I think we might have paid a little bit of ec- a little bit extra to upgrade at various different times, but we paid full price for one Roomba, and each time it breaks, we just contact Hammaker Schlemmer and they send us a new one. So it is so worth it. I don't even know. Price. I don't know how much joy you're bringing me. Right now. <laughs> I, one, I love vacuums. Two. I fell in love with ours, which is, you know, it's not an official Roomba, but whatever it is, I think it's just adorable and fun and it it has changed my life. Oh my God. Because you don't have to vacuum. You You just sit it and forget it. I'm getting this other one. Well, and it goes every morning at 8 a.m. It goes all by itself and it docks all by itself, except when it gets stuck under under the sofa, which it does, but whatever, still. The only thing it doesn't do is empty itself and it doesn't go up and down the stairs. That's what I'm waiting for is the stair Roomba, but it vacuums the entire downstairs. We have an open plan downstairs and it, and we have a small place. So it vacuums the entire downstairs. And that is the only reason that we are not drowning in kitty fluffs because within 48 hours, we would be drowning in kitty fluffs. So thank God for my Roomba. That's all I can say. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. <laughs> Excellent. It just warms my heart. I'm giddy. Like I'm so oh, good. Happy. Yay. I'm so glad. So Macy, where can people find you? I am at theloveadvantage.com. That's my website. Anyone can reach me from there. And certainly Macy Harjot Matarazzo, I'm on Facebook and I like connecting with people. So great. Cool. Well, it has been so fun to talk to you about the playful path to love and dating over 40 and people will get to see a picture of you with your colorful hair and your beautiful smile in the show notes. And thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with me. Thank you. That was so fun. Yeah, it has been total delight. Thanks a lot. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Macy Matarazzo. Let me know if you resonated and connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. And to dive deeper and meet other creative, open-hearted, like-minded women from all over the world at every stage of the creative journey, join me 
in the Creative Sandbox community. The Creative Sandbox community is my private network of creative women, women who want to bust through the blocks that are getting in the way. We support and encourage and learn from each other. We find inspiration every day in our online forum, which is not on Facebook, the distraction monster, but on a private mobile friendly network. And your membership includes my flagship seven day e-course creative sandbox 101, which is the course that inspired my book, the creative sandbox way. And as a member, you'll get to participate in the live studio audience whenever I have podcast interviews like this one with Macy. And for a limited time, the membership is half off at just $10 a month. And you can check it out over at creativesandboxcommunity.com. That's creativesandboxcommunity.com. And I would love to welcome you inside. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you would take a moment to hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating, hopefully a five-star rating, of course, and a sentence or two of a review. And you can do that um, on iTunes, the Apple Podcast Player, or whatever listening (laughs) service you happen to use. If you don't know how to do that, I have step-by-step instructions over at melissadinwitty.com slash iTunes dash review. That's melissadinwitty.com slash iTunes hyphen review. And email me to let me know that you left a review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life. If you would like to be considered for the listener spotlight, that's when you as a listener get to be on the show. If I pick you, We'll have a really relaxed, really fun conversation, and you will be featured on the podcast. Super cool. That is it. Until next time, I am going to enjoy my retreat. I would love to see you at the next one. Check it out again at creativesandboxretreat.com or the day camp version, (laughs) creativesandboxplayday.com. And thanks again for joining me. And... Go get creating. Subscribe at creative sandboxway.com slash podcast.